This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Radio.com Sports presents Bet Sweats with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down the latest in sports betting. That's what's on the BetQL audio network. And let me remind you, BetQL and Radio.com have partnered up to help you beat these sports books. Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet will have his college basketball breakdown up later tonight. You can also go to BetQL.com, enter the promo code Costos at checkout for 15% off any subscription. BetQL helps sports bettors of all types from the first time bettors to hardcore make more informed betting decisions using data and analytics. BetQL's algorithms analyze over 350,000 unique bets every year in real time to help give you an edge over the books. BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking, provides real-time line movement and historical betting results. Get started today. BetQL.com also available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker on Monday, talking about divisional round weekend, setting up now championship Sunday the f- with four teams left. And we welcome in like we do every single week here on Bets. Let's Eric Eager at PFF underscore Eric, analyst for Pro Football Focus, co-host the PFF Forecast Podcast. Appreciate Eric for jumping on. Um, I know it's, I felt like last week I heard Eric doing some interview every single day. So I can't imagine <laughs> how many interviews he's actually doing. Uh, Eric, I, I had Cleveland plus 10. Ross had Cleveland plus 10. But even when the Mahomes thing happened, my heart sank. So I can't believe how you felt. Yeah, I don't I had I, I described it to one of my friends. Our models like Cleveland plus the 10, all the way kind of to like the plus eight and a half range, but then um, a really interesting betting opportunity happened near the end of, you know, the, the morning on Sunday, which was you got Kansas city down to eight and a half. You had people betting Tampa Bay down to two and a half. And then you had this really good, you know, Wong teaser from, you know, Kansas city through seven through three to minus two and a half. And then you had Tampa, you know, through three through seven, all the way to eight and a half. And that's where I think a decent amount of people uh, had their money, you know, is, especially people who bought into the to the Browns at plus 10. Um, that's where really the sweat was for me as a better, as a fan, um, you know, it was one of those where I'm like, you know, just hoping Mahomes is okay because, you know, for the league and also if you're a Chiefs fan, you know, the, the game Sunday obviously carries a lot less, um, you know, uh, inspiration, I guess, uh, if you have to, you have to watch a game quarterback by Chad Henney. All right, Eric, I lost you for a second there. So I, I need to, I need to hear you repeat that about the, uh, the Henny thing. Well, I mean, if, if Henny starts this week, it's, you know, it, it significantly reduces. I mean, we have Patrick Mahomes somewhere around nine and a half or 10 points better than a replacement level quarterback. Henny is probably more like half a point to a point better, but you're looking at probably an eight points. You know, you're looking at an eight-point swing. Now, how much does Andy Reid 
uh, reduce that swing in the point spread, probably a couple points, uh, especially as we saw, you know, how he called that game at the end. Um, so I'm not saying Buffalo goes from being three and a, three, three and a half point dogs to being, let's say, three, three and a half point favorites. But it was telling, um, you know, sort of that that, you know, right after the game was over, they opened Buffalo as a favorite. So uh, just to piggyback off of that, I got to get your thoughts on Andy Reid's decision to go for it on fourth down and to throw the football with Chad Henney in that situation. We all know it worked out, but. Did you like the decision when you considered the Browns needed a touchdown? The Chiefs had just stopped the Browns' offense, and a lot of things can happen wrong on a passing play, like a lot of things. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing. I I, I like it broadly. I mean, Ross, when you play – I mean, you you know as a player, right? Like when your coach has confidence in you despite not being perfect – like that goes so far, right? So when you look at Henny, like when they put Henny in the game, I mean, he was he threw a strike to Travis Kelsey that was really impressive. He threw that fade to Tyreek Hill that showed some confidence in his ability to go downfield. And then he throws an interception that was one of the worst passes I've ever seen a Kansas City Chief throw. And they've had players like Tyler Palco play for them. So it 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 was and then you come back in the next drive and you know. The, the thing that 99% of coaches would have done there is run, 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 right, and and punt and, you know, take away the timeouts of the Cleveland Browns, but they didn't do that. I mean, he threw a swing pass to Daryl Williams to pick up a first down, and even in that final, you know, set of three downs, what happened? I mean, they threw the ball on second down when, you know, Cleveland basically, if you run, run, you get the thing down to, what, a minute 20? Um, you know, as you said, Ross, the whole length of the field to go for a touchdown and they threw with Henny and Henny takes a sack and, you know, and, and, uh, and on the third down, like they still trusted him to throw. I think 99% of coaches just hand the ball off and play defense and Reed showed, I think, tremendous amount of confidence, not only in his players, but in his scheme. I mean, if I'm one of the other 10 players that plays for the Kansas city offense, I'm really happy that Andy Reed, uh, you know, has the confidence in us. And look, like, Chad Henney threw the ball at Tyreek Hill's knees on that play, and he made a terrific play just to catch the football and get down and win the football game. And to me, like, I think the the th- it was a positive EV play. I think it was a couple percentage points. I haven't you know run the numbers, but the Deck Prism guys did, and it was you know it was a positive EV move. Your defense is really good at limiting big plays. Um, so on the other side of the coin, like, you know, I I I'm, I'm happy they trusted the defense too. Should it have not worked, but then. You know, you had – and then the way they they negotiated the shot clock too, which was, you know, I, watching the game, thought that they were just going to do what every team does, which is to let it drain to zero, call a timeout, and punt. And they snapped it with one second, and I think everybody was caught off guard. That's why Hill was so wide open. So I think it was a masterful move just from not only the, the numbers perspective, but also sort of the message it sends to your team, which is we trust you. And even if you make mistakes, we're still going to trust you. We're not going to go into a shell just because you haven't been perfect this game. Eric, what did you think in real time as Stefanski decides to punt fourth and nine, 423 left down five? Uh, I mean, I thought it was consistent with the way he had he with the way he ran that drive to begin with. Like they weren't aggressive on that drive. Um, and I know the Chiefs by design make teams nickel and dime you up the field. I mean, do, do we really think the Chiefs defense played all that well? Yeah, they're, they're the kind of team that you go through a game and you're like, oh, they're not really that good of a defense. But then you look up at the end of the game, and there's only 17 points on the board. 
Um, so the Chiefs are very much a team that tries to funnel things into the middle of the field. They try to, you know, make you make a ton of plays. And to Baker Mayfield's credit, especially on that last touchdown drive, he made play after play after play. Um, and, you know, so that last drive, I, I think Cleveland was a little bit, you know, they lacked aggressiveness. And so the fourth down play, to me, just signified that lack of aggressiveness sort of at the very end. So, I I mean, I I have to go back and look. I think I think one time out, le- one time out left. And, well, let me throw this in there. Um, maybe the situ- you don't you're not in this situation if Mahomes is still playing. But if Mahomes is on the other side, you're going right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, here's the thing: like the the reason to go for it is the second order effect, which is that if you don't get it, the Chiefs might go into a shell and try to just kick a field goal to go up eight. And Harrison Buckner has been anything but automatic this year. So you might. And the other thing is, is the chiefs don't have the length of the field to drive. So you're going to have more time on the clock. Actually, if you go for it and miss than if you punt, because the chiefs have more of the field to work with, if you punt. So that those are the reasons to go for it there. I can understand the argument that there's less time left on the clock or there's more time left on the clock than normal that the Chiefs are starting their backup quarterback who just made a huge mistake. I think the really underrated aspect of it was how aggressive Andy Reid was. And you think about it, you know, I was messaging with one of my friends who who works for them, and I said, look, the 2013 game against Indianapolis, the 2017 game against Tennessee, all those scars of being not aggressive enough and, and losing those games because the other team catches you from behind, all of that led into what happened today. And like, to me, that's like, when you look at Andy Reid, the first coach in the history of the league <laughs> to, to have, you know, three straight, uh, you know, hosting three straight conference championship games. He did it twice with two different teams. Um, he, he's, he's a hall of fame coach. And this is just one uh, additional evolution on, on that path for him. So, Eric, I want you to say, what'd you call that? The second order effect? I, I'm going to use that and sound smart. Is that what it's called? Like, <laughs> yeah, like so what, there was, what, what the possibilities are that happen if you, even if you don't have success, still there are parts of it that favor you. Is that what second order effect is? Yeah. So the, the first time I ever thought of this was we were talking to uh, a coach about a decision not to go for two with about 30 seconds left in the game. So they scored to go down one and they kicked the PAT instead. And we said, well, why didn't you go for two there for the win? And he said, well, you know, this coach is not all that aggressive. If we kick the PAT, he's going to play for overtime. And, you know, I like our chances against their defense in overtime. Um, If we go for two and make it, then he's actually going to be forced to be aggressive. And their offense is better than he thinks it is. And so they're actually going to throw the football down the field, which is bad for us. Right. And and possession of the football is the most important thing in the entire in the entire game. So to me, I think that's a second order effect. We always look at the decision, you know, whether or not you make it or miss it. But there are downstream effects that come from them uh, associated with sort of how aggressive the other team plays against you. And, you know, I think that that's what, you know, Cleveland sort of underestimated how aggressive Andy Reid would be. And I wonder if they would have gone for it and made and missed it. Sorry. Would Andy Reid have said, okay, now we can play for a field goal and at least at worst case scenario, a shot for a two point conversion to win the game? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How do you feel this morning if you're a Ravens fan with uh, Lamar Jackson and what happened after, you know, you finally feel, okay, we conquered it. He got his playoff win. Let's go. Um, a lot of people expecting them to pull off the outright upset and take down the Bills, and it doesn't happen, and it looked that bad. Yeah, well, we liked the Bills last week, right? It was it was one I think the the three of us, you know, it was a, it was a game where the Bills just can beat you in more ways, right? You want to be, um, you know, this time of year, you want to be resilient. We're talking about Kansas City just won a football game with their backup quarterback, and you know, you look at Buffalo, and Buffalo's been one of the best offenses in football all season this year. And they won a game on Saturday with defense and, you know, not making critical mistakes. And that, that's been different. That, that was basically how they won all of 2019. And, you know, when I look at the Ravens, unfortunately, they're very good at winning in one or two different types of ways. But you get them left-handed a little bit, and it doesn't look very good. And so as much as, you know, Lamar Jackson had the lead when you look at the difference between him and, and Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen's obviously surpassed him because he allows the Bills to win, you know, games where they have to be conservative. He allow, you know, he, he allows them to win when they have to be aggressive. Um, he allows them to win when they have to go down the field, when they have to throw short. And the Ravens, unfortunately, I think can only win the football game if they get significant gashes in the run game and Lamar is is accurate. And, and and to me, Lamar's accuracy issues are not all that different than other quarterbacks' accuracy issues, but they're the lack of the other things um, put them in a position where it's it's just going to be really tough for them to win three straight games and to get to a Super Bowl. And with the lack of buys that there are now in the NFL playoffs, to me, you have to be thinking if you're Baltimore and your ultimate goal is winning the Super Bowl, do you give Lamar this mega extension given – you know, the limitations we've seen in him and, and how good he's been, but you know, how good he's been in a situation where he makes round, you know, pick 32 money and you can build a defense around him and you can build an offense uh, that suits his strengths. Once he's making that 35, $40 million, some of those things go away. And the question is, is we've already seen how he does when some things go away and it's not good. Eric, let's get your early thoughts on, on these conference championship games. There's been line movement for both of them. We'll start with the Bucks, Packers. Packers right now laying three and a half at points bet. The total's 51. What's your initial reaction here on Monday morning? Yeah, we've seen Green Bay out to four. I think people have some appetite for Tampa if you can get three and the hook or four. So, uh, you know, I have a decent amount of exposure on Green Bay as far as winning the NFC, winning the Super Bowl. You know, so... You know, for me, and if you're if you're that way, I think you just let it ride here. You might pick up a little bit of Tampa uh, as a hedge, but I don't see Tampa um, as being the right side in this game. I, I, you guys had Joey on earlier. I agree with him on the over. Um, I think people overrate weather this time of year. Uh, both of these men have played uh, games in January in this kind of weather. I don't think that will be uh, a huge issue. Tampa's defense 
Um, I think riding a little high on some noisy things like turnovers and that and that sort of thing. But to me, it's Green Bay or pass. There, I don't think that there's a bigger coaching discrepancy than what we're going to see here between uh, Lafleur and, and Arians. Arians, uh, man, I, Arians, Arians to me is just you're running the football a little bit too much on early downs. I know some of that's Leftwich, but and then they're they're punting in situations that don't warrant it. Green Bay, I think, uses all the downs properly. They, they, you know, they're they're, I think, an all-around team here. So as fun as it would be to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl, I think I think Green Bay is the side here at minus three and a half. All right, what about in the AFC? I have a ton of Chiefs exposure for the Super Bowl, so I've taken a little bit of Buffalo at the plus three. There's also the uncertainty, like there's also the uncertainty about Mahomes. Like we just don't know. Like I, you know. Uh, I know, you know, concussions I've had as a player, like one of them took a week and like, I'm not, I don't think, you know, it's so uncertain there, uh, you know, as, as far as, um, you know, how long that's going to take things look encouraging and the betting market seems to be gravitating towards the idea that Mahomes is going to play. Um, but, you know, three, you know, eight to 9% of games, the NFL land on three. Uh, if you have that in your pocket and you're also holding some chiefs exposure or, uh, you know, some bad news about Mahomes comes out today or tomorrow, like you're going to really want that value there. So I would take Buffalo there. In, in addition to the fact that Buffalo is also just a really good, really well-coached team uh, that I think deserves um, some play here. The under is probably the only side you can take uh, on the total um, just because, you know, both of, you know, all these games are sort of playing under in the AFC um, and, and you watch the chiefs, the way they operated, like they ran a play that ended with about 30 seconds left in the first quarter and Mahomes just turned around and walked to the sideline in some, in some ways they're sort of just trying to get through, uh, some of these games, uh, you know, in a quick manner because they're the, you know, they're, they're the favorite and they're trying to get out and, and get to Tampa Bay without many injuries. Uh, Eric, let's sit on the four losers over the weekend, Saints, Rams, Browns, Ravens. Uh, which team is in the best spot moving forward? Maybe they can get back to back to this spot, maybe the final eight, final four. And which team's in the worst? They won't be close next year. Well, I think you have to go with the team that has the most stable quarterback situation. And weirdly, that's Cleveland. I mean, Drew Brees is going to retire. Um, you know, Sean McVay didn't even guarantee Jared Goff a roster spot next year. Uh, and then obviously with the Ravens, Lamar, again, like I think there are significant question marks with him, um, you know, given the the relatively even strengths of the, you know, sort of, you know, analytics and, you know, general uh, um, front office intelligence with Cleveland and Baltimore. It's weird to say that, but they're equally smart, in my opinion. Uh, I have to give the edge to, to Mayfield, who I think came out of this season looking really good. Um, and, you know, they give him some weapons. They, you know, he's already dealt with a lot of crap in the NFL, three offensive coordinators, his best wide receiver going out in like week five or six this year, uh, three head coaches. Like he's dealt with a lot of stuff and to come out of it looking relatively strong in his first playoff uh, run here. I think that bear, that bodes well for him as far as, you know, his future in the NFL. So give me Cleveland actually out of those four. Uh, we just had Kanish ranting and raving, and justified, uh, about Dan Campbell going to the Lions. Uh, still two openings. Of the hires we've seen so far, which one's the best? Yeah, did Dan Campbell put Jared Cook's toughness on his resume? Because I feel like he <laughs> might have, like, omitted that. Because, gosh, I want – like, Jared Cook's, like, the most annoying player in football, and I can't believe his position coach has a head coaching job. I don't know. that. That's just my opinion. But um, uh, the best hire – I, I think so. This is weird. I'm normally not for defensive coaches 
getting head coaching positions because I think, you know, they hire, a, you know, especially if they're good, they hire like a young stud offensive coordinator. And then that guy shows potential for two years. And as a head coach himself, and you're always dealing with uncertainty, um, you know, see Dan Quinn with, with Shanahan, see, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer with, with Kevin Stefanski, you, 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 you give rise to uncertainty when you hire defensive coaches uh, as the head coach. Um, but I'm going to go away from that a little bit because I think the Jets did really hit a home run with Robert Salah. I, you know, when, when I look at that team, uh, I view them as I view sort of like, for example, the Vikings, when Zimmer took over, uh, I view them, you know, as a team that, you know, we're not even talking about what happens when they contend and when their best players leave and stuff, we just need to get them off the ground. We need to, we need the Jets to be a viable franchise in the NFL for the sake of the league. And I think he really, you know, as far as, you know, you look at what players have said about him, he was first or second, depending on how you look, to Brandon Staley in our defensive play caller rankings. Like, he's great. And and they dealt with a lot of crap this year in San Francisco and, you know, finished 6-10, and 7-9. And, and, and that was, a you know, I think a real testament to how good he was, given how, you know, he was playing much of the year without his best players. Eric Eager at PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Great podcast. He co-hosts the PFF Forecast podcast. Check out his work, Pro Football Focus. Thanks for coming on during the holiday, Eric. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, enjoy the week. We only have three more football games left. It's crazy to think. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> Thank you, Eric.